What's Up Whittier? Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Hey guys, producer Christine here with this week's community corkboard announcements. Okay, just a heads up, if this sounds really weird, I'm doing this without headphones, so I do apologize first. But thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, and listening to our podcast and for pressing play. Now on to our community corkboard announcements. Every Friday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., we have the Uptown Whittier Farmers Market put on by the Whittier Uptown Association every Friday, again from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the corner of Philadelphia Street and Bright Avenue. If you are interested in becoming a vendor, please email farmersmarket at whittieruptown.org. Alrighty, well here's a really busy weekend. I'm just going to shout out a couple of events here and there, and I hope you're able to attend. So on April 27th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., the United Nations Association of Whittier is going to be putting on their Whittier Earth Day celebration. It is a free event appreciating Mother Earth, again April 27th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the grassy area located at 6718 Greenleaf Avenue in Uptown Whittier. This is a free community event featuring speakers, yoga, kids crafts, and you can even learn how to compost. It's going to be a really fun event. Save the date, April 27th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And so then after you, you know, you can stop by in the morning at 11.30 sharp, make your way over to the Whittier Museum, 6755 Newland Avenue, Whittier, California, 90601 on the corner of Philadelphia and Newland. Go to the Whittier Museum for their annual Fashion to a T Runway of Curiosity fashion show. Again, Saturday, April 27th at 11.30 a.m., there's going to be an etiquette manners class that starts at 11.30. I believe it's $40 for members, $45 for non-members, so please go to the whittiermuseum.org website so you can learn more information. I definitely will see you there because yours truly, producer Christine, is the host slash MC. so that should be kind of exciting. Haven't done that in a while. So I hope to see you there again April 27th at 11.30 a.m. And if I don't see you on Saturday, April 27th, hopefully I'll see you Sunday, April 28th from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. at this year's Taps and Tapas event. This is going to be an outdoor event. It's going to be put on by the Whittier Uptown Association. The chairs for the event are April Gallegos from La Pescadora and Rick Gonzalez from Spin Lounge. So shout out to April and Rick because this is going to be such a fun event. There are over 35 brewery and restaurant tastings available. So the Whittier Uptown Association presents Taps and Tapas, the ultimate day of craft beer and food tasting. That will feature several craft breweries while showcasing Uptown's growing and vibrant restaurant scene. So buy your tickets online. You can get the information down in our description. It's going to be Sunday, April 28th at Fiesta Hall, which is right next to the Whittier Museum. So 12703 Philadelphia Street. Literally right across the street. This is on the corner of Philadelphia and Newland, as is the Whittier Museum. Hopefully I'll see you at both of those wonderful events that weekend. And I look forward to meeting you guys. You know, come over, say hi. Hopefully we'll be able to record a podcast that day. So if we catch you on the mic, hope you have something cool to say. Um, and if not, don't worry about it. And also I just wanted to share a few um, really cool events that are being put on by the Whittier Public Library and the Whittier Public Library Foundation. We did hear their podcast episode last week about pancakes in Paris. So yesterday was April 1st. They had their craft and film night with the Red Balloon. This upcoming Thursday, April 4th, Historian Dina Pitt is going to be coming down to the Central Library at 6.30 p.m. And this is a free event. She's going to be talking about L.A.'s forgotten French connection. And Saturday, April 6th, there is a sold-out guided tour of the Norton Simon Museum. And Monday, April 8th, you can watch the film An American in Paris at the Whitwood Branch Library, which is on Santa Gertrudis, at 6.30 p.m. And again, this is a free event. So Monday, 6.30, I have nothing to do. Go to the library and learn a little bit about the French Connection, or I'm sorry, an American in Paris. Because um, you can learn about LA's Forgotten French Connection on Thursday, April 4th. So if you missed any of those events, feel free to reach out um, or rewind or read them in the description below. 
Again, I don't know what any of this sounds like, so I'm hoping it's manageable. You can follow all of us on our social media. You can follow What's Up Whittier. Go to at What's Up Whittier on Facebook and on Instagram at What's Up 562 on Twitter. You can email me, Producer Christine, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or you want to put something in the announcements, or if you want to be a guest on our show, you can email Christine at whatsupwhittier.com. Don't forget to check out my social media. I am at The Singing Moon on Instagram. You can go to my website, christinesingerluna.com. I am a California notary public. So if you need a notary, feel free to go to my website, grab my phone number there, and give me a call or send me a DM or text it to me, and I'm sure we can work something out. Don't forget to follow Remo the Realtor and Jesse the Architect. You can go to at Remo the Realtor on Facebook and Instagram and probably anywhere there's like social media. Go to RemoTheRealtor.com. Make sure you sign up for his mailing list so you can stay updated on everything that is real estate in Whittier and the surrounding areas. If you are interested in attending a J2 Architects workshop, make sure that you follow at J2 Architects. They just had one, I believe it was uh, March 30th in regards to the accessory dwelling unit, the ADU. So make sure that you stay on top of that and you follow Jesse for all that information and you follow his firm. You can go to j2architects.com if you need to get in touch with him. Alrighty, and then one last thing. Have you heard of WIPA Radio? What is WIPA Radio? Well, it's going to be Uptown's Central Station, located in the Poet Gardens. Right now I'm going to say downstairs just because I'm recording in Jesse's office. But it's located in the Poet Gardens, so if you can imagine the Bank of America building on the entrance on Philadelphia, you have the big door, and then to the left there's a big window. So right now, if you peek inside the window, you can you can see the skeleton of a room. They just put up the walls, and it's pretty white and dirty in there. They just put the electrical. Well, uh, soon it should be a working radio station. So if you're a podcaster, if you're a musician, if you've ever wanted to have your own program, your own show and maybe you need a little help, maybe you don't know where to start, you can definitely email me, info at WIPA Radio, uh, or yeah, that's how you can get, that's how you can get in touch with me in regards to the radio station. Or you can go to our website, WIPARadio.com to learn a little bit more information. You can learn about what volunteering is and how to submit all of your stuff so you can be on the radio airwaves. Looks like that's all I have for you this week. Neighbors, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Enjoy. And, you know, I really hope that you appreciate today's episode and all the other episodes after it. You know, there's been a situation happening in our community. And Remo, Jesse, and I, we all live here in Whittier. And guess what? We want to know what's going on, too, which is why we're using this platform as a way to get the information out to you, the listener in our community. So it's in our best interest to, you know, use the podcast as that platform, as that conduit between, you know, our city officials or different nonprofits in our community that are doing hard work that we don't see. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and our series, you know, that we're doing right now talking about the homelessness population in Whittier. The people in Whittier have such big hearts, which I which I can see and um, I'm very fortunate to be able to go to city council and meet all of these people. I went to city council last week, and let me tell you, the turnout was amazing. I'm so happy to see so many people concerned, you know. Obviously, when you're sitting up on the dais, it might be a little bit different. People are just yelling at you and complaining at you, and, you know, the population will complain if they don't, you know, because they can see that there's a problem, but then when you explain kind of what's going on, the population will still be confused about what's happening and still be very upset. So, you know, we are using What's Up Whittier in order to get these answers to you so you can learn about what our community has done, what it is doing, and what we are going to do to help all the people of Whittier. So, that was a little long, but anyway... Hope you like this episode. Hope you enjoy the series of the next coming episodes. And take it away, Jesse and Remo. What's up, Whittier? Dun, da, da, da. Oh, man, you came in with full vitamins, my yeah, friend. It's, uh, well, I'll tell you, I'm late because I was on hold with Google for an hour and a half fixing something on our website. So 
I hope I hope they fixed it, man. It was. I got you know. I got to an English speaking person, and uh, we got it all working. So we're good, Jesse. I'm glad. It's funny how like even with technology, like it could have been something you could have done over like text or email or yeah or emojis or something like that. But no, you had to call them directly. Oh, it was so technical that I was so deep in the conversation. The guy wanted to transfer. I'm like, no, you're not transferring me. (laughs) I'm not explaining this again, or I'm just gonna never use Google. So, but we got it taken care of. It's a tough one, man. Yeah. It's a tough one. Well, Remo, I'm glad you're back after your, Welcome back. your, yeah. uh, your long journey around the I world. Was, <laughs> I, I didn't get voted off the island <laughs> yes. in the last, last vote. <laughs> you're close, man. You're yeah. close. I, I, think, I think you had a couple, either, either some big fans or... My or, mom and my wife both so, voted. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so today we're actually kind of keeping with that theme of... Um, of interviewing nonprofits, uh, so this week uh, we're here uh, on location. Uh, a beautiful location. We're in a yeah, nice boardroom, and this is uh, an upgrade from uh, our typical uh, my office, your office, <laughs> uh, which is nice because it has a view. But you know, AC is sometimes not uh, the that's best right, for us. That's right. So we're comfortable today. That's right. So uh, we're actually at the uh, at the facility. Is maybe the headquarters of yes. the whole child. Um, and before we get into the whole child and, and what the whole child is, we'll introduce our guest. Our guest is uh, Constanza Pachon. Uh, she's the CEO of uh, the whole child. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for visiting today. Thank you for, thank having, you for having, us having us on. I mean, we'll we'll uh, we'll dive into the, what the whole child is, and and for those of you that don't know where it's at, I mean. Uh, we started that conversation earlier about how many times we all drive past this building, not understanding what that building is actually Colorf- about. Colorful building. Which yeah, is yeah. Really, that's why it stands out so much. Uh, it's on Colima, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, between Colima and, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Whittier and Lambert. Lambert. On Colima between those streets. Yeah, so so now we'll know exactly what this building's all about. That's good. And before we get into it, can you, want, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of introduce yourself and, and uh, how you ended up here? Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Um, well, my name is Constanza Pachon. I have been the CEO of The Whole Child for 15 months now, started um, last year. I came to the whole child because I was looking to change industries almost. I have been working in nonprofit all my career, but previous to the whole child, I was working serving the community, but the business community. Mm-hmm. So I was working with entrepreneurs that were developing uh, high technologies and helping them bring their technologies to market. Very different from mm-hmm. social services. Yes. But I wanted to make a change. I started my career back in Colombia. I'm from Colombia. I migrated to the U.S. 17 years ago. I started my career in Colombia working for the United Nations, helping uh, violent displaced people find economic opportunities. And I was hooked, and I wanted to do that, that kind of work, serving uh, underserved communities. When I moved to the U.S., the opportunities that presented were to serve the community, but the business community. Mm. So a few years ago, I really wanted to go back to working with underserved communities. I really kind of put it out there to the universe that I wanted to work with an organization that one way or another protected, empowered, defended women, children, minorities. And I started planning on that move. And landed at the whole child, or picked the whole child from, um, I was blessed to have um, choices <laughs> to, yeah. to make uh, about two years ago. And picked the whole child because I really feel very strongly about our mission. We work with, our mission is to help families raise physically and emotionally healthy children and have a place to call home. We do that through our mental health, housing, nutrition, and parenting services. Our clientele are basically underserved, struggling mothers with children. We do have a lot of um, mom and dad or grandparents, but 86% of our clients are single um, uh, female head of household, Mm -hmm. raising two to three children. 
And I felt identified with that. Their story of poverty, of a struggle, of homelessness, of um, mental health, nutrition issues, was my story some 35 years ago. Uh, my mom and I actually experienced homelessness, homelessness um, when I was five and my father died. Uh, we became homeless, and we were homeless for some five to six years. And ours is one story of success at the end through a lot of um, interventions, if you will. And now this felt like a fantastic opportunity to get back to my own roots and apply all that I have learned serving the business community in serving uh, the underprivileged families and children. And that's why I'm here. Wow. That's a, an awesome story. I'm, I'm curious, has the staff ever heard your story? The very first day I met them, I told them my story. Yeah. When, I, when I was selected as the CEO of the whole child, I asked my board to first send a survey to the staff. I wanted to learn a little bit mm -hmm. more about them before I actually joined. And then I asked them to please get them all together in a room with lunch, with relaxed setting, so I could introduce myself to them. And I told them my story. Right? I told them how I identified with our clients. Then when I saw them, when I saw our staff, I told, and I identified with you, a lot of our client is female, Hispanic. I identified with you, mothers. I'm a working mom. I have two toddlers. And uh, I identified, connected very, um, kind of at a deeper level with them sure. from day one. Um, well, I just want to introduce Mickey Charlie. Thank you so much for putting this together. Uh, Mickey, you can just like, just describe a little bit about yourself. Oh, sure. Yeah, my name is Mickey, and I'm the communications and community engagement manager here at The Whole Child. Well, I mean, I think it, it's that connection, but also that experience, because you, like you just said, you experience homelessness at a young age. And so that's a different experience and emotions uh, that a kid goes through and deals with it at that moment or at that time different than uh, what an adult would, would go through, right, or experience it. So to be able to say, you know, I've been there as a child and I understand what you guys are going through is, is again, for me, even more of a, of a story to be able to, um, have that impact on that kid or that family, really, because um, you know that I, I think through through life when we navigate through life, I think that's what makes us uh, as individuals. It's mm -hmm. a life experience, uh, whether it's a bad you know bad experience or a good experience. Um, that's what makes us right. That's what mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. helps us navigate through life. And uh, and the more experiences you have uh, like that, that you're able to kind of like what you're saying bring it back to where you started and and somehow give back in that sense it just it, it makes things a lot better uh, or not better but uh what's the right word like not easy but but uh that transition is a lot smoother yeah um brings a different perspective to have what is called in the trade mm -hmm. lift experience yeah, right? yeah. So, well it's, it's very rare and and that the <laughs> ceo has at one point could have consumed the actual product, you know, in this yeah. case, service. Um, from a service standpoint, I mean, products might be different, but th that's, I don't know, too many CEOs that are in a service-based business that their service would have helped the actual person at, at a given point from a social services standpoint. So that's a, a really deep connection. So. Yeah, it is. So um, I guess if now if we could get into what the whole child is and, yeah. and kind of what, what's the mission uh, or the goal for the, the whole child. Definitely. So, kind of coming back to the story that I was telling you. So, when my mom and I were experiencing our hardship, we didn't have anything like the whole child behind us, mm -hmm. right? I think our experience could have been shorter and kind of less painful if we would have had an organization like the whole child behind us. And I think that's why what we do is so special to me, right? being able to shorten, if we can, that journey through homelessness for children and the trauma that comes with that, it's very meaningful to us. Mm -hmm. And not only homelessness, but all the other myriad of issues that underprivileged, underserved 
families and children um, uh, face. Mm -hmm. So the whole child, as I mentioned before, we work, uh, we have four different service areas, mental health and housing, and parenting and nutrition. Mental health was our um, bread and butter for 50 years. We have been around for 62 years. For our first 50, we only did mental health for children. And on mental health, we work all the gamut of issues that, that children face, from the trauma of abuse, uh, sexual uh, violent abuse, to behavioral issues on the um, HDD spectrum, uh, autism, anxiety, um, trauma from bullying, all any kind of either trauma or what's called thought and mood disorders, right? So, and there's more. Children are under much more stress. One of the things that uh, really hit me hard when I started at the whole child was um, being that much closer to the reality of abuse and neglect and hardship that children in this county, in this country, one of the richest in the world, this county by itself is one of the biggest economy mm -hmm. uh, of the world, just the L.A. County. Mm -hmm. And to have so many families and children just in so much suffering, so much poverty, yeah. that's a travesty to me. And being that much closer to that was really hard. I know how to run... Uh, an enterprise, an organization, but that was really hard to me. Then on our uh, on our housing side, we work we work exclusively with homeless families. We do not work with um, individuals, single and attached individuals, uh, which are those that you will more um, probably see on the streets. And we are the lead agency for SPA Seven. Um, SPA 7 is the southeast Los like Angeles County. region, mm -hmm. uh, 26 cities are, and communities. And what that means is all homeless families or, that, or, or families that experience homelessness or at the brink of homelessness filter through the whole child for assistance to prevent or to end homelessness. We help them with... Um, rental assistance, rapid rehousing, permanent placement, uh, skills development, job development, child care, all, the, all, all a myriad of services to try to permanently and successfully place a family in housing. Then on our parenting services, we try to work or we work with new parents and mothers that might be at risk of becoming abusive or that simply are not equipped to start the parenting journey. I wasn't equipped, even with all my education, when, mm -hmm. I, when I was uh, expecting my children. And with all the reading that I did and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's a train that hits you and you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Is coming. the abuse more from the parent abusing the child or the, the mother being in an abusive situation when you say abuse? I think it could be both, okay. and, and we see both. And it's not just abuse. They're, 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 it's, it's a prevention, right? right? And abuse might be a, a hard word, word when we're talking about parents. Uh, I don't want to misrepresent that. Abuse can come in the way of parents kind of losing their temper with children and because of lack of understanding on what is normal when children are going through their development, mm -hmm. right? And just that kind of, of, of you know, the spanking that we shouldn't be doing anymore and all that sort of stuff, um, that's what we want to um, avoid. So when we work with, with some of these partners, we're just trying to teach them what is developmentally appropriate for a child. You know, the tantrums do come and how to cope with them, how to work, all that sort of stuff. Also, also identifying um, developmental delays so we could get children the need they they uh, the help they need as soon as possible to curve the um, long-term effects of developmental um, delays then on on our nutrition side as we were with so many children we were seeing the plight of child obesity in our clients and we wanted to do something about it so 
in our nutrition services, we work with schools, and we are trying to educate both parents, schools, and children on the benefits of a healthy diet and uh, physical activity in your daily life. So that's what we do. Yeah, that's, that's the four areas of services that we have. We try to integrate them all together to try to identify what combination of services could best serve a family. We don't try to push all our services to someone. It's if you need them, we want to accelerate that integration. And all of our work is to help to reduce barriers for a family's success in raising happy, healthy children. Do, do you find that when families take on more than one services, they have a higher rate of success? I, I think so, because you are then trying to reduce more barriers. So, for example, yeah. if we have a family that is um, receiving mental health um, uh, therapy, they're working through, let's say, anxiety. Their child has anxiety, and we're helping them to work through that. And then we discover that some of that anxiety and low self-esteem is coming from child obesity, right? Which led to bullying at school, right? So now we need to work with the family and the child. Let's try to get you on a healthier path that then will strengthen your self-esteem. It will strengthen your mental health. And then we move you to a path of... of um, just a better living. Same thing with, for example, uh, when we're working with a family uh, that is experiencing homelessness. If we address also quickly the trauma that that brings to a child, right? There's a lot of shame. There's a, there, there's a lot of stigma that comes with homelessness, and and for a child to experience it, it could be traumatic. If we address that to ensure that self-esteem is not uh, compromised and that we can build resilience on our children so they are not or they are not bully-proof, but they can uh, cope with it better. We are addressing, we are, we're removing barriers yeah. so, then, so they could be more successful. So most definitely when families address areas of concern, in their daily life that we could help them with, they, 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 they increase the chances, the, their chances for success. And a lot of this is one-on-one -on -one type uh, services, right? It's, yes. It's with someone with, from whole child with, the family with, the yeah. child. It's, it's very, very intensive mm -hmm. uh, care. One-on-one -on -one, uh, with, uh, many times with families are receiving multiple services it's you're working with your mental health therapist, you're working with your uh, case manager, with your parent educator, with your nutrition um, specialist. Um, and it's, yes, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we have a highly skilled uh, workforce. Um, some 60-plus percent of our uh, workforce has a master's degree or above. Yeah. It's very specialized. Uh, workforce to, to, to handle this kind of issues, and especially to handle children. How, how big is the, the whole child? I know we said we're at the headquarters here. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it county large? Is it state large? Is it bigger than that? And then how many service providers are there? We're, we're, we, mm -hmm. Our presence is in Los Angeles County, okay. um, more focus on southeast Los mm -hmm. Angeles County. We have seven locations. Um, Across different cities, we have locations in Whittier. We have three locations in Whittier, uh, two locations in Santa Fe Springs, one location in West Covina, Cerritos. Um, and all together, we are close to 150 employees. Oh, wow. And we serve uh, almost 10,000 people uh, a year. Wow. That's a big group, and you mentioned earlier that it's um, you you service families mm -hmm. um, and not individuals. So when you say a family, is that um, mom, dad, and son, or is there it are, there are many there are many forms of a family. So 
rather than say parent, we should say caregiver, right? And many times, as I had mentioned at the beginning, our families are had one single head of household. Mm. So many times it's mom and children, grandma and children, auntie and children. This is the custodian. We work with a legal custodian. So it takes a family takes many, many shapes. So mm. many of them are mom and dad. Uh, many of them are just mom and the children. What constitutes a family for us is the child. That as long as there is a child attached, it's a family. We even consider uh, pregnant women uh, as part of families. And what's that? What's that age group like? At, at what point do they do they not qualify for these services? Okay, so we actually serve. Uh, the entire spectrum of children and youth that goes from zero to twenty-four. Oh wow, that's yeah. a big that's a big range. Mm-hmm. And and in terms of like getting your services, how do how do these families um, get your services? It 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 varies um, depending on the services that that we have, but we have a strong network of referrals. So we work and are very well connected with hospitals, with schools. We actually, under our mental health practice, we have school-based services in which we have co-located staff at 36 uh, different schools across the region. Um, other parts of our referrals or partners with our for our referrals are uh, other community organization, organizations, churches, many, many um, areas from which they refer to us, and then the public can go on our website and ask for help. When you go to www.theholdchild.org, there is a big Get Help button that you could click, you could click, and then and then you will be able to self-refer, if you will. We are getting um, a lot of self-referrals nowadays, um, and that's that's how we, we get help. Do you see this? I know we, we before the interview, we kind of briefly talked about homelessness um, mm-hmm. uh, and how just recently uh, there's there's uh, residents that went to the city and talked about how it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all noticed that and understand it's a big issue, but I think you brought up a good point, um, which is why it's something that I forget who mentioned that at city council. They also referred. They also made made that point is that the homeless population you see right now currently mm-hmm. on Woodard Boulevard and Parnell Park and other areas is is individuals who are adults mm-hmm. um, or young adults, but not families, not mm-hmm. children. Um, and, and Joe, actually Joe Venteri was the one that made that comment where he had mentioned how the whole child does some of this stuff um, which is the stuff you don't see, which is mm-hmm. out of sight mm-hmm. from the public. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it does make sense that if you don't see a child or a family that's homeless, there's a reason why they're not there, because they're being taken care of by these, these organizations. And there's also there, there, there's more to it. Uh, the reality of, homeless fam- uh, of family homelessness is that it's the hidden population of homelessness. It would be fantastic if the reason why we don't see homeless families on the street is because we are being able to help them all and yeah. house them all. But that's not the reason, right? There is so much uh, um, of this issue out there. The reality with homeless families is that they don't take the same form, uh, or homelessness for them doesn't take the same form as it does for single individuals mm-hmm. or, or, or youth. Uh, I myself, I never slept on the street. I was always sheltered, mm-hmm. right? There's a difference between unsheltered and sheltered homelessness. Mm. So families, for the most part, you don't see them sleeping on the, on the sidewalk. You, they're sleeping in the cars. Mm-hmm. They are doubling down on a couch somewhere, sleeping on auntie's garage, uh, the child is sleeping with a comadre here or there mm-hmm. while the parent is sleeping in the car. 
Mm-hmm. That's homelessness. And it's a side of homelessness that people are not that familiar with. That's right. Um, when we do the homeless count, if some of you participated in January, families fare particularly badly because they're not there. They're not in the street. You cannot count them. And a lot of the resources um, for homelessness across the state and and the county depend on the homeless count, which is a one-point-in-time count. And you don't see the families, really. Right, they are. They, they are not there. They're somewhere in a in a in a couch, in a car, right? Something like that. So that's where they are. They take a different form. I'm glad you cleared that up, because <laughs> you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where you know you don't when you when I at least when I would think homeless, it'd be somebody who has no home. Like there is no <laughs> shelter. There is no means of of keeping warm or staying dry, but. You're right. You could be in a car and still be considered homeless, yeah. right? It's yeah, it's not yeah, the yeah, the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in terms of like this whole homeless, um, um, everybody keeps saying it's a crisis, right? It's like a big mm-hmm. issue. Do you see it like curving up, curving down, flatlining? It moves differently for different populations, for the family population, the single adult unattached population, and the youth population. What I can tell you is for family homelessness, we actually saw a reduction. Hmm. Um, We we are still waiting for this year's homeless count. But for what is worth on that count, uh, we saw a reduction, and we have been seeing a reduction in this region, in family Hmm. homelessness. Um, We've been working tirelessly to get as many families as we can that are that are experiencing homelessness uh, housed right away. And we are putting more and more efforts into prevention and diversion uh, programs in which when someone is at the brink of homelessness, like you have an eviction notice or uh, something like that, we act quickly, we intervene um, earlier so we don't see the homelessness part of yeah. it. So we're working a lot on that, and there's a big push uh, at the county level to do more and more of diversion and prevention, and I think it's working. Now, the the help that you guys provide, is it, <clears throat> I know you mentioned it earlier, I also saw it in the book, is it physically placing them? Is it giving them a stipend? Is it a combination of the two? How is that family help um, provided? Yeah. Uh, I'm, you're talking about homelessness. Correct. Right? Yes, I'm okay. sorry. We actually do anything we need to do to be able to put a family into a place. So some families need crisis uh, housing. So we need they need shelter. Right? They they lost their housing from one day to the other, and while we create a plan to move them into permanent housing, we put them in shelter. So and unfortunately in motels, because there's not enough mm-hmm. shelters uh, in, this, in this region, shelter beds. So that's crisis housing, right? It's to immediately end homelessness mm-hmm. uh, if you are in the street. Then once families are st- stabilized or as part of prevention services, we need to move a family into a new unit, a, a rental unit, right? Most often these families have, have uh, barriers to successfully on their own being able to secure a unit uh, because they have poor credit or no credit history, really, because they have um, kind of spotty employment or there's disability in the family, uh, various reasons, right? So we help them identify the units, right? create a plan for which they could achieve self-sustainability. We often pay deposit, very often double deposit because of the risk. Mm -hmm. Deposit, double deposit, first, last, three first months, and then a um, kind of a wind-down process in which we start um, decreasing assistance and the um, housing plan, if you will, of the family, they are taking more 
of the um, burden of rent on themselves. And then to be able to ensure that they're successful at that, we work with them in strengthening their um, job-seeking skills, working on them on career path plans, securing childcare, um, making sure they receive all their services they need. The idea of these programs for us is to move people outside of the system and they are self-sustainable. Now, do you guys have a physical shelter here in this facility or is it all outside of this facility? Or is we do not have. Okay. We The whole child currently does not uh, operate any shelter. So okay. we use other facilities okay. uh, where we send our families. I, I want to talk about the whole mental health uh, services side mm -hmm. now. Um, I'm looking at the at, at this report here that, was, that you guys have. And we're looking at how many disorders there are uh, mm -hmm. that kids or children, teenagers go through. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the number one is, is uh, depression. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that, that if somebody's trying to get the help, um, do they have to be, can they just be dealing with this or having issues with this to come and get the services? Or do they need to have something else tied to it, like, for example, homelessness or a single parent or mm -hmm. um, any other any other issues? Can they oh, just no. come get the service? Oh, most definitely. Remember that for 50 years, all we did was mental health. And it is, it is part of our greatest legacy uh, in this community is how many children we have helped uh, dealing with depression, anxiety, and other disorders. Um, Eligibility criteria for our mental health services. Remember, we're working with an under, underserved population. So we work with uh, medical uh, recipients. And um, there has to be a, a diagnosed um, medical impairment, meaning they are losing function, social, social or cognitive uh, functionality. Mm. And that sounds like big words. So that yeah. means the child is not being able to keep up with, with work at school. It's not being able to have a healthy relationship with siblings and mom and dad or, or whatever the, whoever the caregiver is. And then they come and, and they show uh, or, or they tell us we're having issues, we don't know what it is, we diagnose and we start treatment. Does it have to be diagnosed, like for each of these disorders where they come with some sort of doctor's note, or is it just... We can diagnose it ourselves. Oh, you can, okay. We can diagnose it ourselves. Many of the uh, referrals, for example, come from the schools when the teacher said, there's something off. This child has changed from one year to another. There's something wrong. Uh, could you guys kind of take a look, work with them? So do we, di we diagnose ourselves. Can I, can I submit Remo? Because I know there's something <laughs> off with them. And we're done, Jesse. Get out. <laughs> No, it's funny. I'm reading. Well, not funny, but I'm I'm reading this that one out of five children experienced some some sort of, of mental health, um, and I mean, that's a lot. It is a lot, um, and, and so very could, few of them actually get the help. Yeah, they so need. fifty percent mm -hmm. receive help, um, but but it's a lot because you you think about, I mean, you could go through your whole life not knowing that you're going through certain things. Yes, and yes. which could be dealt with. Um, and you might, kind of like what you just said, you're probably struggling through life because of some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Jesse, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> yes. Is yes. that what we're getting do at? Do you need therapy? <laughs> Let's get to it now. Um, so in terms of, again, mental health, is that is that something that you're seeing also incline, decline, or stable, or as the years go by? I mean... I think that from what I've seen from the data, it has increased. Oh, I right. think that uh, social media and uh, some kind of overexposure of children's lives mm. to peers and, and, uh, and the general public um, has put a lot of stress on children and mm -hmm. kids and, 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 and youth. So there's a lot of depression that comes from, from, from that. And um, I think that as economic times get tougher and families have to uh, kind of 
uh, reduce or, or their, their expenses and all that sort of stuff. It is it, it comes at the expense of you know activities that might be enriching to children that might uh, help them build resilience and get. Uh, other kind of uh, social um, interaction and um, to strengthen their executive function outside of just purely academic work. Yeah. So, so I, I would say that we have seen an uptake on on those disorders in children and youth. So, what do you think if someone is listening and saying, "Hey, I want to improve my relationship with my child," um, is there certain things that maybe I would say our best practices, um, and I'll throw a couple like my nieces. Just and nephews. tell us. Just tell us how my it nieces is and nephews. <laughs> they have like they get their cell phones right, uh-huh. and they're on their cell phones. They're playing games, and they're probably on social media and all that stuff. Is it you know safe to say like don't give them a phone? I mean, <laughs> I mean that might be an opinion. But <laughs> that, yes, don't give them the phone. Yeah. yeah, we have we have opinions on that. So first of all, uh, I, I am not a train. Uh, mental health um, professional. Okay. So I I don't want to venture into well, giving well, tips. Worry. I could bring my staff to do that. <laughs> but I know from what I have heard from them. And, and, and You're talking to an, an immigrant, uh, a first generation here, that our parents used to hit us and it worked out great. So. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it, everything's off the record on our, whatever. <laughs> well, everyone Real. says that. Everyone says that it worked, uh, the, uh, they, my parents hit me and it worked out well. Well, I'm sure you have some trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. You still flinches when yes. I raise my hand. <laughs> like, let, me, let me rephrase it. I got like a spanking. I, my, my like, parents didn't body slam me into the... So I, I know where this is... That's what, that's what but, about. Absolutely. But, but, but going back to your question, I think that uh, clearly I am not... Um, we could always bring one of my certified mental health yeah. clinicians to, to talk more about that. But I think in, in, in reality is um, connection. I think that related to the cell phone and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, social media, is connection, right? Uh, connection to your child. And not only, and, and, and it's just not really from the caregiver to the child, is as a society to connect with children to see what's going on around. But especially at home, connection, right? Whether it's leave your work at work, leave your phone by the entrance when you come home and all that sort of stuff. Whatever connection means to you, but connect, read. You know, the, the, it's, it, it goes back to the basics, right? Connect with your child. Speak with your child about their day, your day. Uh, acknowledge their feelings. Um, help them out. Understand that they are. Don't put pressures on little ones that are even um, too high for adults. Are, we expect of children not to misbehave and not to lose control when we as adults do. Uh, so not to put those uh, undue expectations of children, understand that they are growing up, they're not adults, and that we are there to support them on their journey. I, I always have to remind my wife about my kids. I have two little ones, and when they're being loud, my wife's usually like, kids are so loud, like just you know tone it down. <laughs> I'm like... That should be a good thing because at least we know they're they're healthy and they're mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. scream and yell and run around. Unless you're on the phone and then, <laughs> the phone, then, <laughs> and like, then you say, "Can you guys be quiet?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. I, I think we lose as parents. We lose. Uh, we don't really fully understand um, what that means, you know, mm-hmm. or um, lose sight of it. No, no yeah. I, and I think you said that earlier too. How like like as new parents, you don't. There is no full like how to guide. On how to be a parent, as much as there is stuff out there, <laughs> YouTube and all that good stuff, but D- dummies for parents. Yes, that, yes. <laughs> uh, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard because you're dealing with with uh, such young people, young persons. You know that that um, everything is their first, right? And so they're learning as they go. And so we already know more than they do. So mm-hmm. to tell them to stop doing something when they have themselves not yet experienced it then it's kind of hard to convince them that, hey, do not touch that burning hot piping, <laughs> you know, stove because you're going to burn yourself, right? So Yeah, but, but do not let them burn themselves. No, I know, I know. But again, it, it's kind of the, the whole idea, right? You, you could only tell them so much to the point where, like, they got to experience it. Um, but from our end, you we, as adults, we would think that they, they're already born knowing this stuff, so why should we, you know, expect it from them, which mm-hmm. it, it's not. And so uh, 
Anyways, the reason why I say that it's, is because your son is it's all my, over the my kids all over the place. Um, <laughs> but but again, it's one of those things where like we talk about like spanking or spanking or uh, how do you discipline a child? I mean, all that stuff is is uh, information that you know if you grew up in that and you you don't know the difference between what is right and what is wrong, um, kind of moving forward, mm-hmm. then you're gonna go back to your default, which is how you grew up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so. Again, that's kind of like... A big part of what we do here at The Whole Child with uh, with our parenting services is talk about that. What is uh, what is caring parenting? Yeah. Uh, right? It's not about just being your kid's friend. No, it's, it's how do you communicate? How do you react when they are misbehaving? Mm-hmm. And is it even misbehaving? Is it, or is it just what children it's do? Child, yeah. Right? It's, uh, on the spanking side, which is very interesting... Uh, you know, if spanking was a controlled environment, like, for example, your child did something really bad, if you calm down and being calm and collected and thinking about it, decide, okay, I'm going to spank, a spank is going to be the best course of action, then you go and spank, okay? But usually that's not the way it happened. Yeah. Is your child does something crazy, yeah. you lose control, yeah. and on that rage, you go and spend. Yeah. And that's the problem, because then that child is getting the rage, like hate, from the person that should love them the most. That's right. And if you teach a, chill, a child that the people that love them the most have the right to hit them, what can we expect them of what they are going to grow up expecting of other people? That's true. Right? So it, let me share a story. Well, <laughs> well, let ahead, me just Jesse. finish. So, so it, that's exactly true because um, you you don't want to set that tone. You don't want to set that kind of experience where then themselves when they become parents, then all of a sudden they start repeating that cycle. Where like it's okay. It's it's it. it will, I did went or that the, or that they accept. Uh, people mistreating them yeah. because if the people that are supposed to love them the most to protect them above everything don't or just from time to time lose it right. and go ahead and, and, and mistreat them That's right. what are they going to expect of, uh, of others so here's my story, and this is when you said there must be trauma. When I was, See, I, I, I raised my hand, and he's already flinching. I'll tell you okay, a, a story, but I, I felt that it helped me kind of align my behavior. And so when we were about 13 years old, um, a car was parked in our driveway, and we used to play basketball all the time. And the, with the car, yeah, with the car there. So we, you know, as kids, we said we didn't want to get the car out. None of us had licenses. We were 13. All of a sudden, we put the car in neutral. And the car starts drifting back, right, so we can give us space to play. Well, the problem is we didn't know how to stop the car. <laughs> and the car kept going back, going back. And luckily, we somehow we just stopped it. <laughs> and But we put it in park, and it was in the middle of the street. And then my brother had gone home about, you no, know, my brother and my dad got home 15, 20 minutes later. And as soon as they got home, we knew we were in trouble. We ran into the room and hit ourselves. But had they not shown some sort of discipline, like you did something wrong, we would have said, oh, we, let, next time, let's drive the car. You know, and I, I think for me, it helped with structure that saying, you know, this wasn't yours. You don't know how to do this. Don't do it. And that was the rule. And so for me, it helped. Um, but again, it wasn't like a body slam or anything like that. But oh, I, I knew I, the I, thing I, knew is I you could, the, uh, One thing that we that we stress to our parents when we're working here with parents is that uh, caring, um, discipline, setting limits, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's part of parenting. Mm-hmm. It's part of caring parenting. Yeah. Setting limits, uh, structures, um, uh, discipline. It doesn't mean that 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 you don't straighten or, or try to strengthen a behavior when when it is not acceptable. It is the way you do it yeah. that we yeah. work with them. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I have just questions about the organization. Just maybe there would be fun questions. What is fun. what is the some of the funner things that you maybe people from the outside don't see with whole child? Maybe within the staff, is there some fun activities you guys do internally? Is there um, I don't know? Are you guys part of a softball game? Uh, wait, wait, well, probably. So we uh, we try to keep it fun as much as we can, and it's needed because. What we do is heavy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, it's heavy. That's the only way I know how yeah. to describe it. 
Um, so self-care and mental health for our own staff to avoid burned out is really important, right? So kind of a structure, things that we do. So for example, we do have three large events a year that involve the entire staff. We just had one two weeks ago. We did our staff appreciation uh, and awards luncheon. Uh, we took them all um, to, where was that place? Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's to, so they could play, relax, kind of let steam off. Mm -hmm. And then we recognize um, those staffers that are really going above and beyond uh, from Call of Duty. And then during the summer, we take the staff and their families uh, bowling. And it's great to see the families often um, sacrifice so much because we work a lot. We <laughs> work long hours um, with heavy staff, so we can come home cranky <laughs> and all that. So we want to recognize the families, the children. There's so many children among their staff. I mean, not the staff, of course, but yeah. they have children, so many, so many, which is fun to see them and, 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 and um, for them to see how their organization recognizes and val values the, the, the work of their, of their parents. And then during the holidays, we, we also get together and celebrate uh, quite a bit um, with the staff to kind of get ready for the new year. So those are very structured ones. And then, you know, this is a team that there's always a baby shower, a bridal shower, uh, birthdays, potlucks. birthdays, potlucks. Are the are potlucks on. on your guys' calendar so we can participate? Or are they, <laughs> are they just yeah, the staff only? Can, they are most, most staff only. We are going to bring, uh, 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 we're trying to bring an event for the entire community that uh, we, if we're able to secure funding for that, uh, we will let in the community know. And so that's that. And then we try to have kind of, moments of just sharing um, about ourselves and kind of the crazy things that kids say, mm -hmm. right? Uh, um, we often see staff members uh, kind of having their kids visiting and we get to interact. And through our social media, we try to be kind of a little bit funny with ourselves mm -hmm. too. So, yeah. I remember Tom Rios, which is one of your guys' uh -huh. members, I believe it's... Mem he was a board member. He was yes, a board yes. member. He had uh, put together some sort of uh, fundraiser around Christmas time, and then the Woodier PD dropped off mm -hmm. presents. Is that... Do I yeah, remember so that we correct? Do, oh, we do. We do. Those are what I call our extracurriculars. Got it. So, you know, we had our specific uh, services, which we already talked about. They're very one-on-one, -on -one, very intense, if you will. And then we have our, those are designed to really change a life, right? But we know that there are other activities that do not change a life, but make it better for a while. Mm -hmm. And we work on those. So we do a lot of drives through the year. So we do, which is our first drive of the year? We actually have an Easter, Easter basket, basket drive with um, Brookdale, Uptown, Whittier. And we, we will ask. We will be asking the community that if you have, if your organization wants to kind of get together and put some Easter baskets, and then we're happy to take them. We have so many children across our entire practice that we'll be very happy for that. So we do an Easter basket drive. We do um, back Halloween to school. Halloween costumes. So back to school mm -hmm. drive, then Halloween costumes drive, turkey drive, mm -hmm. and then we do the holiday helpers by which um, families in the community uh, adopt some of the families from the organization. And they, we have the children right of our clients write their um, presence uh, wish list. And then other families adopt them and get the presents. And usually they bring many more things. And then we get the two families together. Wow. They have a good time. Last year, during the holidays, we have a, a, a record of 83 mm -hmm. uh, families adopted. Uh, this, then all the administrative offices were filled with presents, um, uh, top to bottom. And it was a, it was a fun time. It was, it, th those are really fun activities. Again, um, it's not time from our own staff is volunteer to put all this together because it's not part of what our, our uh, funding sources cover. 
but it's something that we like to do uh, with the community. And for those that maybe, and I'm speaking for myself, that rather than putting together the Easter basket, is there a way of just donating uh, funds for an Easter basket versus? Most definitely. Okay. You can always go, always go to uh, www.thewholechild.org and you will see a big button that says donate. donate. <laughs> <laughs> so click on that button and it's really easy to make either a, a periodical commitment or a one-time donation. And we take anything you can give us because we put it all to good use. Got it. And is it uh, event specific or is it... Um, extracurricular activity specific or is it just you guys you could we, we could figure it out we give okay. in the form mm -hmm. you you have the opportunity to donate specifically or become a sponsor of one of our events uh, fundraising events or you could donate just an amount and you could you know you guys make best use of it sure. or you could kind of restrict it saying I really want this for the Easter's basket or mm -hmm. I want it to go towards the turkeys or whatever it is yeah. And, and there's the opportunity to do that on the, um, on the uh, form. On that note, if I may, so the whole child is actually hosting its um, annual fundraising event. It's the Starry Night. It's going to be hosted here in Whittier. It's April 12th. It's a Friday after work. It's a relaxed, fun event that we're going to have to celebrate those that have contributed so much to our organization and to our mission. So you can go to our website and click on the event banner, which is right at the top of it, and hey, come join us. It's, it's gonna be fun. We have so many people from the community. It's kind of a, it's a tradition now, an annual gathering for this community to, to come to the whole child event. Got it. And uh, you said it's April 12th. Where is the location? So it's going to be hosted by uh, one of our board members are their residents. Wow. So we're not disclosing the uh, the address until there is an RF RSVP. So once you are RSVP, then we'll disclose the location. Can I guess? And you can say yes or no. no. <laughs> <laughs> You're going. I'm, I'm going. That's Yay, right. Great. All right. <laughs> oh, she, she, okay, we're going. All right. Awesome. Very nice. Um, uh, any other big events that maybe you guys have or that you guys would like to spotlight? Um, so in terms of fundraising events, at the, we, we hold actually one big event a year, which and is. then which is this. The, the Starry Night event is usually a spring event that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have the different drives that we do mm -hmm. throughout the year. And then there's just opportunity. There, there's so much need, right, to also donate goods for, for, for some of the children mm -hmm. and all that. So just keep up. With our news, you know, um, follow us on Facebook. Um, How does someone do that on social media? Yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And you just can search the whole child, CA, and we'll come up as an option. Got it. Yeah. And Christine and then, also put it in the show notes. So oh, Wonderful. And yeah. we also have, a, um, is it quarterly? Our newsletter? We actually do have an external newsletter that you can sign up for on our website, and that is a every other month. Every um, other we month. send out that newsletter just to kind of stay up on any events and things going on at the agency. We always have something exciting to share. Got it. Okay. Um, well, at what we mentioned earlier when Christine gives the finger, it's the wrap-it-up finger. It's not, <laughs> a, it's not a, a bad finger. It's, it's her pinky that she swings around <laughs> as she drinks water. Um, well, we have a couple of Woodyard questions, and for sure. uh, I know we've talked about some uh, obviously whole child stuff, which you mentioned it's a little heavy. These are even tougher. All right. And so they're Woodyard questions, and they're tougher because um, you make one friend, and sometimes people not so happy. And that's what is your favorite restaurant or place that you dine, and maybe in the, in the uh. city of Woodyard. <laughs> and it could be if you're here and want to grab a quick bite to eat. What is your go-to spot? Oh, boy, there's, there's, there's quite a few. Uh, that's a compromising situation. Yeah, that's a, you know, it's just... <laughs> I think there, there, there's many. I like the, the, the bottle room. I like uh, Ravello. Toast. Um, toast. Toast is a favorite as well. Um, aunties. Aunties. Aunties uh, for, uh, for breakfast is delicious. Um, Bailey's uh, Kitchen. 
I miss it. That, that California other Grill is California a staff Grill. favorite. Yes, yes. And there's there's another one. Um, I think it's called Cafe Vignette. I don't remember. Vintage Cafe? Vintage Cafe. Yes, yes. Yeah. That one is very good. I think those are the ones that I... How about the little ones? I know I don't know their ages. Do they have a favorite place that you might go over the weekend or or they're too young where they just yeah. want food and <laughs> yeah they just and, and you know it's very funny that you ask because most often while they're at home right they're complaining again this uh, again uh-huh. and they're complaining about what we're feeding them and then when we take them out i'm like i prefer the food from home <laughs> again you can't win you yeah. can't win with little ones yeah. so yeah no <laughs> got it and uh, if there is something in, in uh, Woodier that you think is missing, what would that be that you would like to see it brought to maybe the, the local city? And it could be anything personal. Maybe it's something that you and your family drive to that's not mm-hmm. here now. Um, what do you think? I was going to say affordable housing. Affordable housing. Yeah, of course. Of course. Affordable yeah. housing is something that, that we need to bring to. And it's not just for homelessness. It's affordable yeah. housing for uh, everyone. It, yeah. it, it, real estate prices are really uh, pushing people out of communities. Yeah. So we need to, we need to, we need to bring uh, affordable housing back. Got it. So, I, I, well, I am very happy that In and Out is coming. Okay. So. <laughs> Let's keep it real here. <laughs> Let's talk about real stuff. So, yeah. In and Out. We needed an In and Out. So, we're very, ha- we're very happy. So, All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, both you ladies, for joining us today, uh, for your awesome facility, for the water that we got, which is really nice. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to attending the Starry Night events on April 12th. See you there. See you there. And please join us. Remember, www.theholechild.org. Thank you. All right. Bye, Whittier. Bye, Whittier. Bye.